Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. I'm your host, Riley Stock, and you may have noticed there's music playing at the beginning of this podcast like almost every other podcast. That's right. This is temporary music until the real music gets finished. Today's guest is a board game designer. He's designed games such as The Grand Carnival and Turbo Drift. We talk about his upcoming games, his works in progress, the expansion for The Grand Carnival, how he got into game design, so much stuff. Play Ridiculous Theme. It's going to be such a great time. Get to know the one, the only, Rob Kramer. How you doing, Rob? Hello, doing well. How are you? I'm good. That is great to hear. Yeah. Especially in these dark days after daylight saving time. <laughs> or bright days, at least. Ugh, I mean, in morning, at least. Yeah, that's true. It's so weird going to, like, the guild playtest meetings. And it used to be, you know, decent mm-hmm. when you drive. But now it feels like it's super Just late going to Oppressive blackness. I know. But also, it helps you get up in the morning, I feel like. It's easier to wake up in the light, right? Yeah, I guess. Maybe. I need to, I need to do more with my mornings then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Rob and I are a part of the Board Game Designers Guild of Utah. So mm-hmm. we know each other from that. We've played a, met at a couple playtest meetings. We also, Phil Amelon was on the show, Board Game Bike. Uh, and, and we played games when he was there. Uh, here in Utah, so yeah, he stayed at my house. Oh yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. That is cool. <laughs> yeah. You guys played stuff like Rocket League, and mm-hmm. <laughs> I was wondering. So I was looking at Turbo Drift, mm-hmm. uh, and I've never played it. Mm-hmm. But is that was that a little bit of Rocket League inspiration? So no, it was actually a different video game. Um, uh, Something drift, man. What even was it? Absolute drift, I think, was was the video game. It's 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 a top down drifting video game that has a lot of zen vibes. It's a very minimalistic background, no music or minimal music, um, just like bells when you get when you hit certain checkpoints. It's just very very simplistic and it's very very nice i like it a lot but i think i think rocket league came out after after i was working on that so okay i just knew you were a fan and i was like oh is that like part of the inspiration Mm. but no okay uh which i know they plenty different i you know you do little (laughs) skids and whatnot i'd I'd be lying if i tried to think about doing a rocket league board game so no that's really cool though i I thought it was interesting looking on there and seeing custom content. How does that, have you seen like your custom content for Turbo Drift? Uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of people just uploading their own cars that they've seen from pop culture and all that kind of stuff. It's been super, super cool. There's been only one instance where I've had to like kind of step in and that's when someone, uh, uploaded, I think it's the general from, uh, Starsky and Hutch. So it just had a giant Confederate flag on the on the hood. Yeah. And that was just something that I didn't necessarily want associated with Turbo Drift. 
I'm, there's a there's a lot of pop culture cars that you can pull from. So just not having that one, I think, is... is That's Dukes of Hazard, isn't it? You know, Dukes of Hazard. That's okay. it. Yeah, thank you. I was like, Star Trek, huh? No, no, no. no. Okay. Yeah, thank yeah. You. Yeah, no, that's understandable. You don't want your IP or your, you know, your game being associated with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm weirdly enough, I'm okay with the Shoemaker, uh, uh, Schumacher Batman, uh, uh, Batmobile, but I'm not okay with the general. So yeah, hey, there's everyone's got lines. <laughs> Batman with nipples. Yeah, up in the air, but Except, yeah. That's, yeah, it's a little gray area. <laughs> um, but that's really cool. It was cool to see all those, you know, Speed Racer and the Batmobile. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's fun. It, yeah. It's like the dream. You have people passionate enough or who enjoy it enough to make that. For Do you sure. print any out? Uh, I don't. Uh, the The biggest fan thing that I printed out was uh, someone made a pod racing variant. Uh, uh, I saw a pod racer on there. Yeah, that was an incredible job. And I am a big Star Wars fan, and so the pod racing one is is probably my favorite. Oh, that is so cool. We've yeah. been talking about Turbo Drift for a little bit. Uh, do you want to explain <laughs> what it is so people know? The Turbo Drift is a real space racing game in only 18 cards where players are choosing paths from a grid of options uh, to place them in front of their car and race uh, in between obstacles that are placed on the board. But each obstacle has a kind of boost icon um, that gives you a uh, boost of speed uh, if you manage to overlap that and not the obstacle. So you are rewarded with drifting closer and closer to objects that you really should be avoiding. And so it's a push your luck kind of aspect, um, but the real space is a big part of it too. So you don't know exactly where you're going to end up. It was my first design that was signed, but not my first design that was published because I had another game that from pub from button shy who just cranks out titles like no other. <laughs> and so I had a small nine card game that got published in their board game of the month club that oh. got, got designed and signed and published before turbo drift even came out. I don't know. What's that one? That one's a Skyscrapers. It's a nine card game, but it is really terrible to like pack away because you fold the cards along edges. Um, so it's kind of like Rhino Hero, I would say. Um, but you're stacking cards and it's possible that you stack cards one at a time with other players. So you're pointing at cards with your left and your right hand. And if you point at a card with another person, you both have to pick up the card at the same time to build it on top of the tower. Oh, interesting. So, yeah. Yeah, it was nice. Fun. And uh, yeah, Daniel Newman did did the art, and it was just, just something super small, and it will never be reprinted again. Yeah. <laughs> You've gotten to work with some cool artists, because Ryan Goldsberry? Goldsberry? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Ryan Goldsberry. Yeah, he did... The Grand Carnival. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, and that was... Oh, that was with Uproarious, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was with Uproarious. So, yeah. And and with Turbo Drift, the artist who did that, uh, Jason and I were looking at examples of art that we would want to pitch to artists if they could draw that style. And so I found this piece online, and I pitched it to Jason. I'm like, this is, this is the style that I want. And so he actually contacted the artist 
and we got the artist from my like ideal uh, prototype art. Oh, so I was wow. like, great. <laughs> We got the guy. <laughs> but like he, yeah, Mark Boardman does not do board games. Like this, I think was his first project, first and only project. But I think it looks outstanding. I'm a big fan of it. It is. It's really cool looking. I think pretty, and I mean, obviously, just the idea of it is a cool table presence. But that artwork really fits with it. Oh yeah, that's neat. Yeah, to be like. I want someone like this. Oh, why don't we get this? Them. <laughs> yeah. Got it. The actual this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that's really awesome. Uh, what We'll go back to my standard questions. Uh, so v- before we get into design, what got you into board games? So board games have been a part of my life for most of my life. Um, I really enjoyed playing the standard kind of stuff, Monopoly, um, Stratego, all that kind of stuff. But I was really interested in the kind of branded stuff that added things. So like Lord of the Rings Monopoly had a ring that would march along the board every time you rolled doubles. And once it reaches Mount Doom, which is the um, blue properties, the game ends. So it has a it has a trigger for the end game that isn't someone getting bankrupt or any of that kind of stuff. And so the games were shorter, Um, but still just as interesting. And if you landed on a property that had the ring on it, you could purchase it for a discount or free or something. Um, Or if you landed on a property that was already bought and the ring was there, it would double the rent. Um, So just like little twists that I really, really enjoyed. And I would do the sneaky thing where I would buy a game for my brother for his birthday, but I would be the one that I would that would want to play it all the time. Of course, of course. Uh (laughs) And so, yeah, that's board games have been part of my life for a long time. And I really enjoyed reading rules and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't get into modern board gaming until, um, I was trying to find a birthday gift for my wife. So you can see a kind of trend. Um, (laughs) we, we played a lot of classic card games, um, with their family. And so I thought about getting a card game that we could all play together. And so I went to a game store, was completely overwhelmed by the number of choices that were available and walked out of there with a copy of Colorado, which is just an outstanding game. And I've been hooked ever since. So what transitioned you from the, you know, playing games to designing games? Uh, So my wife uh, works in the travel industry and she one summer spent three months in Switzerland. And so I was home alone for three months and that was a really tough time. And so I had to kind of engage my brain um, a little bit and uh, uh, greater than games was having a dexterity game design contest where the only prompting was design a game that has features dexterity as a main component. And uh, that's where my game pizza pronto came out. And so that was something that I was able to sink my, my energy into. Um, it was a game about flicking, uh, delivery cars around neighborhoods and throwing pizzas into houses and all that kind of stuff. And it is garbage is what it is. (laughs) Um, So that 
I I'm not working on that anymore, but I got the bug in the specifically designing games for contests bug. Um, because game design contests have deadlines, they have feedback, all kind of built into it, rather than you deciding for yourself, is this game done? So I highly recommend any game designers out there enter some contests, um, because depending on the contest, you'll still have a game at the end of it. It's not like these games are completely unmarketable to other publishers or other instances. You can still shop them around to other publishers. It's not necessarily doing spec work kind of stuff. So I highly, highly recommend that. That is really cool. I've never, I was going to enter a contest, but I, I got lazy. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, yeah, I've, I've entered a few contests. I've won a few contests and it is, I is outstanding whether you win or lose. Yeah. Bravo. Thank you. I mean, I think that just takes some courage too. like, uh, (laughs) especially, you know, entering that first one, first time Mm -hmm. designer, you're just like, Oh yeah, that's cool. I'll try that, you know? And, Mm -hmm. Uh, you may not have even realized how big of a space there is, like in the board game community, right. when you when you started that. But mm-hmm. I, yeah, so that's really cool. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you want to listeners see a list of upcoming design contests, you can go to bgdg.games, uh, and Dustin he does like a newsletter, and each time he'll include upcoming and current uh, design contests right i think is really cool so yeah so like the ion game design contest for salt con uh deadline is december 1st so i'm going to be entering into that Fast um, approaching. And I be- yeah and i believe it's all online so you don't even have to be going to salt con to enter so oh nice um keep that in mind too okay well maybe i'll do that <laughs> What are you going to, are you going to do Critter Grove? Yeah, Critter Grove is going to be entered into that one. I've been making a lot of recent playtests and changes and all that kind of stuff. The version you played recently is different, even more so than the one that I'm playtesting now. Nice. I'm about that. <laughs> yeah, that is really exciting. Before we talk about Critter Grove, though, I'm going to go back to the last standard question of what's your favorite game? My favorite game. Man. Uh, I, I will say right now, I believe my favorite game is Second Chance by Uwe Rosenberg. It is, uh, one of his many polyomino games, uh, one of his roll and write polyomino games, but it's technically a flip and fill. Um, mm-hmm. but it is so simple. You, your goal is to just cover as many spaces as possible. Super simple. Um, there's no like tallying at the end. You just count, you just count the number of spaces that are uncovered, but you flip over two cards and you choose which of those shapes to fill in. And these shapes vary from one to seven spaces. And so if your goal is to cover as many spaces as possible, obviously you want to take the big space, right? But then that makes your board a little bit more unwieldy and a little less flexible for the other pieces that come up later on in the course. And so do you take the smaller ones 
because other people are taking the big ones. And so at the end of the game, you could end up with 15 unfilled spaces because other people took chances. And you're actually rewarded for taking chances because if you're the first one out, you actually get a free space covered and it is a, is a tiebreaker. It is just, and that is it. I've, I've taught you the entire game and it is so smooth and so sweet and you get to draw in each of your pieces it is just a delight and i'm i'm a big fan of it oh, that's awesome i haven't i haven't even heard of that one which is surprising because it's a big you know big name right yeah so it was um it's on its second edition so they re reskinned it for the u.s release the european release has like flowers and just really um, kind of pastel look. It's super pretty, um, but some of the cards are a little unclear with the shapes because it's more of a texture fill rather than a solid color, so it's not as easy to read. Super pretty, but the Stronghold release um, really leaned into like the Tetris vibe. And it kind of matches with their other roll and write releases. So it's it's a little uglier, a little more garish, I would say, but completely functional. And the the beauty comes from the players filling in their own boards. So yeah. I'm okay with the game kind of stepping away and letting players bring the beauty. So nice. Well, and you've been a fan of polyominoes, apparently. I have right? been. I have been a <laughs> Super big fan of polyomino games. Um, yeah. I played a little bit of Blockus in high school. Oh, but, nice. But Patchwork really, really got me into, into that kind of stuff. So okay. it's been a wild ride. And every time I design a new game, I have to shove the thought uh, of, could this have polyominoes in it? <laughs> so I had to, like, even in even in the button-shy uh role-playing game contest that they had 18 cards i'm like how can polyominoes fit into this and it doesn't it doesn't make any sense but it's it's just a very satisfying mechanism that is that is fun to mess around with yeah and if if uve can design nine games around it then that's one designer (laughs) with one mechanism Imagine how many other games can come out of it. It's amazing. Well, I love that whole concept of, you know, the RPG polyominoes. Like, <laughs> I love when people do the hybrid stuff, like uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak. I'm excited. I ordered mm-hmm. that. I, it's supposed to arrive nice. here today or tomorrow. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, but, like, you know, they're taking two things people love. Worker placement, deck building, mm-hmm. you know? like, and And they just make that hybrid... And so do that with polyominoes. Be that guy. Be like, well, I'm going to make a deck builder polyomino game. I'm going to make a I mean, if you If you game. think about it, Project L is kind of a deck builder polyomino in that you have like a pool of pieces that you assign to each of the things you work on. And then you get those pieces back. Oh, um, so yeah. That's, yeah. So I, I try and keep an eye on every polyomino game that gets released. And I'm obviously missing a ton. But um <laughs> I, that is that is one of my kind of niches. I've thought about getting a tattoo with polyominoes on it. It's <laughs> it's really infected my brain at this point. Yeah, well, the Grand Carnival, I yes. mean, that was a really big hit. That's how I 
before I even knew you were a Utah designer, I was seeing people posting pictures of the Grand Carnival online and on Twitter. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, this looks really awesome. What a, mm-hmm. what a cool idea. And uh, because it's like, it's not only the places, the polyominoes that you're playing, but it's also those empty spaces that matter right. too. And, and really cool concept, I think. Um, I appreciate it. And yeah, yeah poly- polyominoes weren't even there at the very beginning. It was originally just going to be a, a tile placement game with um, different exhibit types on each of the quadrants of the tile. Um, and then eventually while playing it, just it, they looked like polyominoes, the shapes that you would configure. And then it just became super satisfying to plop the exact right shape onto those spaces and it just ballooned from there nice that is awesome uh do you want to explain grand carnival for anyone who might not know of course so grand carnival is a tile lane game um where you are building your own carnival and you are inviting guests through your park and as guests move past different attractions they drop off tickets And they can even move through your entire park up into the big top uh, to score even more points. And so you just want to build the biggest, baddest carnival in town. Pretty simple in that there's only three actions that you can take in a game. But you cover a number, one through five, and that is the power of the action that you take. So if you cover a three, you get to move a guest three spaces through your park or you get to build an attraction that is three spaces big or you get to take a foundation tile that is at the three spot or lower so this system kind of powers all the other actions and uh i think is pretty neat yeah that sounds like a really clean cool design mm-hmm. i like took that me a, took me a super long long time to get there it yeah is, <laughs> It was a mess before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's only one designer who's ever designed a game in one go. And they <laughs> thought it was, they thought like, this is impossible. So they play tested it for months and months and months before realizing like, no, I got it right the first time. And that was uh, Vlada with <laughs> code names. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the one to do it with. Code names is incredible. I know. I, have, just, you, have you played Codenames Duet? Yes, that's what we prefer. Yeah, okay. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I I kept on hearing people saying that it was that it was somehow better than Codenames, and I didn't believe it. And now I am a hundred percent sold. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's so good. We ended up so we had both boxes, and I was like, you know, this would all fit in one box, and we could throw away another box and make room on my shelf for more games. Mm-hmm. And so originally I put it in the red one because I was like, oh, that's the original one, you know, code names. But then I talked mm-hmm. to Kimmy and she was like, no, use the green one. We love to du- duet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll probably never play regular code names again. Use duet. <laughs> yeah, I, I went the opposite route. I have the red one. Oh, you <laughs> did? Nice. The, yeah, the more iconic one on your shelf. Although the green one was probably cleaner in that it doesn't have as many award symbols on the front. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, but then it's less appealing, right? Oh, yeah, sure. Gosh, the worst thing that they could do to the game concept, which is a beautiful cover, just white with a question mark filled with symbols, the worst thing that they can do is just slap a bunch of awards. Well, earned awards, but it just 
takes away from the experience. Yeah. It's like, it muddies it up. <laughs> yeah. Which is, is so dumb for me to complain about because publishers need all the help that they can get. Yeah, definitely. Well, put them on the back or something. If you want that really clean look on the, but at the same time, you're displaying right. you know. shelf presence, all that stuff. <sighs> I get it. But I actually agree with you. It's like, I don't care to see this. Like, I just want my game showing. Like, I don't need these awards. Yeah. <laughs> Give me optional ribbons and uh, right. and medals that I can pin to my board games. <laughs> Stickers on the inside. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? Do like a magnet. And so mm-hmm. that you put like a oh, magnet nice. on one side of the lid and then the actual award yeah. there. Yeah. There you go. That's not expensive at all. No, not at all. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, so how did you end up getting Grand Carnival with Uproarious Games? Who's another fellow Utah? And- right. Um, so I I had designed Grand Carnival, uh, surprise, surprise, for a contest um, for the Korean board game design contest. Oh. And I won second place. And I was the only, I think, English designer to place in that contest, which was super cool. Um, and then... Uh, I was working on it, just trying to uh, perfect it. I entered into ION, um, and that was a finalist, but it still wasn't right. And so I finally worked on it, and I promised that I was going to bring it to SaltCon. Not for ION, just to show people. And so I ended up playing it with uh, Dan Thoreau of uh, Space Biff. And so he loved it. Um, He thought... He said it was his favorite prototype that he played at SaltCon that year. And so he was able to talk to Tim Fowers um, of Fowers Games. And so um, we set up a pitch and um, with him and Jeff Beck of Uproarious Games, where they work in very close um, business relations. Uh, They sell all their games on the same storefront. Um, so it's kind of a partnership that they work with. And so uh, Jeff Beck ended up signing it, and it was fantastic. Even after a disastrous pitch where I forgot to bring player boards. Oh, no. Where they had to print them out at the office, and we played then. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah. Nice. So it's that good. It's that good of a game. It's that it's good worth that it. That they decided that they could still work with a dum dum like me, so <laughs> yeah, uh, I love it. <laughs> They're cool people, though. Tim and Jeff oh, yeah. are just like super, super nice. Yes, yeah, very much so. Tim was one of the first people that I met in the community because I won his game Sabotage at Protocon. Nice. And so I was like, oh, I'll go up and talk to this guy about his game. You know, that's cool. And. Huh. And he was just like super nice. He was playtesting Burgle Brothers 2 and just like chatted with me for a while. Nice. Uh, and and then later I looked up his other games and I was like, whoa, this guy's like really big. <laughs> He's a big deal. He was way too nice. Tim Fowers made a point at every SaltCon that I would go to or every convention that I would see him at. And he's like, have you thought about self-publishing? Like that is that is his big thing to, <laughs> I'm like, no, no way. There's no way you're going to get me to do that. But then we eventually ended up working together a little bit. So um, <laughs> <laughs> good times. And then and then with Uproarious, I actually uh, won the uh, hardback uh, uh, hardback uh, tournament that they were oh. um, hosting at SaltCon that year. So I I got a copy of 
hardback and all that kind of stuff, and then eventually ended up uh, pitching the game to them. So that's yeah, awesome. That's good. Yeah. So it comes full circle. Mm-hmm, exactly. What about? Let's talk about Critter Grove then. Okay, great. Yeah, sure. That's your newest game. I've gotten the huh. chance to play it. Surprise, yes. surprise, Polyominoes. Yep, there you go. Uh, so uh, Critter Grove was designed for the Haba game design contest, which I highly recommend checking out. Um, Haba signed, uh, sends out just a package just full of loose game design co- components. One year it got a bunch of red frogs, um, a sailboat, trees, dice, just all kinds of random stuff from their extra games that they that they just scoop they literally just scoop into a bag and then send out to people and your goal is to design a game using at least three of those components so even then super flexible wide open um, but you're designing a game that is mainly aimed at families and children um, so uh, I was sent a few pawns of a dog, a cat, a rabbit, a mouse, and they were all dressed up in super comfy clothes. One had like a sweater, one had a scarf, all that kind of stuff. And it just gave me really cozy, comfy vibes like um, Animal Crossing. Oh, nice. And so I decided uh, I wanted to design a game about these animals building homes and on an island and it just eventually turned into polyominoes and all that kind of stuff. And now the game doesn't feature those pawns at all. They are not, they are not a focus of the game at all. They are completely gone, but it is, it ended up being a, one of the winners, one of the four winners. Um, so I've been pitching it to publishers and haven't heard back. So I'm still just trying to polish it and just get it to where I, I think it can be the strongest it can be. So that's awesome. Do yeah. uh, how long does it usually take to hear back about a pitch? So I mean, with this one, I mean, I I have no experience in that. I I don't pitch to that many big game designers. So this is the one that I've pitched to the largest game designers possible. So mm. Haba um, was sent a prototype back in September. So it's been over a year and I've heard nothing. Oh, okay. Um, I sent a prototype to GameRight, who is interested, and I sent that back in February and no word back. So I don't know. <laughs> According to me, they never get back to you. So <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if those bigger ones are a lot slower. Oh, for, sh- for sure. They yeah. have got to be just inundated with with stuff so oh yeah and and ravensburger uh ravensburger i pitched to last year and i didn't hear back from them that Um, surprises me i was gonna say this sounds like because ravensburger was doing a uh something that seemed to fit right it was it was it was the world it was like the world game design day yeah and i i pitched to them and I honestly went to my wife and I said, I nailed it. I thought I had completely nailed it. And I haven't heard back. So I I must have completely misread the situation. So <laughs> there you gotta are, work, like... gotta work on facial cues. 
Yeah, you get the face, those uh, flashcards. You and your wife mm-hmm. can sit there and she'll like right. and just Smile. like indifferent. Happy. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> scowl. Oh, that's scowl. Got it. Oh, right. Okay, okay. now it makes sense. I understand why nobody's getting back to me. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, also, I think the game is in a much better place right now. And so I feel bad about pitching to those publishers because it's almost a different game now. And so... Yeah, at what point do you start pitching? At what point do you keep on developing? It's it's a weird weird dance that you have to yeah. put yourself through. Well, and like my ment, I did the tabletop mentorship program, and oh, so nice. My mentor on there, he's pitched. He pitched a lot of games. He's got a couple signed, and I think his first one is his first. Like he signed up quite a few games, but none of them have come out yet. But I think mm-hmm. you know, Button Shy is one of them, and. And they'll like start releasing them soon, uh, but he's. It's interesting him sharing the experience behind it all because it'll be like, oh, I signed it, and now I've like completely redesigned it based on their feedback. <laughs> so like they saw the potential there, but from when I pitched it to now, it's very right. different. And and that's the thing. Certain publishers have amount of development that they're willing to put into a game. And that was the frustration that I had with the Grand Carnival initially is that I felt like it there was a game in there, but I didn't have the skill or resources to be able to put it across the finish line. And so luckily, Uproarious Games was able to help develop the game. Not there. There were a a few changes in mechanisms and all that kind of stuff. So the core is is still what I pitched them, um, but they helped refine it and and make it even better. So I was super grateful for great developers like Jeff Beck and Jason uh, Tagmeyer of Button Chai Games. Just incredible developers that help help you realize the best in your game. Uh, You know what? Well, is there anything else on Critter Grove you want to share? I mean, so it's a cooperative game, oh, yeah, so that's that. that's got its own issues with alpha players uh, trying to figure out communication, all that kind of stuff, make, making sure that there's not too much information. It is just a really, yeah, it's a tough nut to crack, so I've just been plugging away at that, and so ask me about it. I'm always happy to talk, yeah. um, but <laughs> don't, don't ask me for an updated print and play, because... Goodness, I don't, I don't recommend anyone cutting out polyominoes anytime soon. It is just a nightmare. I have a hard enough time cutting out like just a nor- a board, you know, a right. circular board or something or little pieces. I, I yeah, know. no, it's a it's a mess. Yeah, do not recommend. Yeah, but that's your that shows your dedication. There you go. So, I'm I like- willing to do it. I like the game a lot. I think Critter Grove has great potential. I had fun both times I played it. Uh, I appreciate it. So I definitely see it's just like polishing, I feel like. Figuring out one or two little things. Yeah, I'm cutting out as much stuff as possible. And we uh, play tested it this weekend um, with a bunch of designers. Yeah. um, With Jeff Beck and then another Jeff Beck of uh, (laughs) Grandpa Beck's uh, games. Um, Sky Larson. Uh, Dustin Dowdle, uh, Jeff Krause. So there were three Jeffs at this play test. So that was super fun to juggle. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, just super helpful feedback and just making things a lot more free and family friendly and all that kind of stuff. So I'm super excited about its future. Oh, that is awesome. They did. They gave some good stuff. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Two of those people have been on. Well, oh, wait. No, Dustin hasn't been on here. Dustin was on my other podcast, Nerding Out, a couple times. Oh, nice. But Dustin will be back on or be make his appearance on here, his first time appearance on here in two nice. weeks. Fantastic. So Looking forward to it. Dustin's great. Yeah. Except it's not really focused on him. It's focused on being colorblind, but whatever. Oh, fine. Oh, yeah. And that that definitely came up a lot during our, our playtest, too. So that's been really interesting to see his actual perspective, because I don't know that many colorblind people in real life. And so it's so nice to get his feedback about things. Yeah. It shows, like, how important picking your the right colors are. Like, For sure. I, you know, playing with somebody who's colorblind, it's interesting being like, oh, yeah, like, they may not see, you know, you may have a, a red and a purple pond and they think they're exactly the same. Right. So, yeah, it's not always just the red green distinction. That's the most common. Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, you'll nice. hear more about that in two weeks, people. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we've got Rob here. Who's not colorblind. Yeah. He can see all the colors. <laughs> he can see colors. Yeah, you don't yeah. see grand carnival you're working on an expansion for that as well i am yes so we are working on just adding a bunch of stuff to the game um different ways to play uh clowns golden tickets enormous attractions all kinds of kinds of stuff to make it even more impossible for you to do everything that you want to do in your park <laughs> um so we've been working on that for a little bit um and it's going to be coming out with uh, an update to the original game, uh, kind of a second edition, uh, to help solve some of the component issues and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, yeah, just super looking forward to it. That's really, um, really cool. Don't have, don't have a solid date yet, but um, it is definitely in the works. How is it working on an expansion? Is that no, expansions, weird? Expansions are the, yeah, are the worst because there's... Yeah, there's different. As a game designer, you would want to publish in a, a complete game, and that's what I that's what I feel like I did with with Grand Carnival. But the thing is, is that more people will play test your game the day that it comes out than you've previously play tested any time up up to that point, and so things can crop up that you didn't anticipate, and just adding more options to things is, is just a super weird puzzle to puzzle to find out because you don't want to change it too much because then it becomes an entirely different game. We don't want to deliver just more of the same because then it becomes an unessential expansion and that becomes a problem. Yeah. And so we just need to make each of these pieces kind of stand out on their own um, blend into the game as much as possible. You don't want it to be super clunky. Um, man, it is it is a tough tough uh, line to walk. So that is really interesting because I feel like some people they make a game and they're like, okay, well it's big enough right now, but I have ideas to add more. But I'll add those in later. You know, like sometimes expansions mm -hmm. are planned at the beginning, right? And sometimes yeah, and and I and I had no no hopes of an expansion. I didn't, uh, the Kickstarter wasn't nearly as successful as other uproarious releases. Um, and so I thought that it was just going to be a small release, small splash kind of stuff. But, um, 
having it be Z Garcia's top game of 2020 um, was incredibly huge. Um, Board Game Quest uh, gave it uh, best game from a small designer. Um, So it's been super well received. And so when talks of an expansion came up, I was completely floored. So it's like, what do I even do? (laughs) And so, yeah, um, it's tentatively titled Send in the Clowns and clowns will be a part of it. And um, so hopefully it's not too scary for people. (laughs) I was about to say, is it going to be like scary? We we leaned as far away from possible as the kind of creepy circus vibe that has been pretty common recently. So yeah, yeah, Portal Games came out with the Dreadful Circus recently, and they really leaned hard into kind of the sideshow quality of... Um, carnivals, but I wanted to be as family friendly as possible. You're not going to find a freak show. You're not going to do any of that kind of stuff. There's, there's families of all kinds present at this park. You can see anything you want and it is just a good wholesome time at the, at the carnival. Nothing to be scared of. Yeah. (laughs) Well, this is where I announced that I'm also making an expansion for it. It's actually just a custom variant with real scary clowns. Yes. Murder clowns. They'll kill your guests. With uh, super sharp teeth. Yep. All that kind of stuff. (laughs) Try Um, and lure them behind tents. (laughs) (laughs) We played um, with Sky Larson, who has a game coming out with uh, Tim Fowers, Paperback Adventures. Yeah. he He is legitimately afraid of clowns i hope i don't i hope he doesn't mind me saying that and so (laughs) when he played he didn't use any clowns in his park just they were not present they 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 weren't these pieces didn't even look like clowns they were red wooden frogs um but just the thought of it turned him off so much that he did not use clowns oh my goodness (laughs) i love try and make it we'll try and make it as as harmless as possible for sure (laughs) yeah I mean, at that point, it's just like the abstract thought of a clown, right? Like, yeah. you're not even using images of clowns, yet, right. right? So, so yeah, that's that's something I need to help Sky out with. Maybe <laughs> we can do some immersive therapy or something like that. But yeah, I, I, he's great. He's wonderful. I have plenty of fears myself, so I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to keep on harping on that. He's completely rational. Doesn't matter. He's good to go. Yeah, no, it's a it's a legit fear. I used to be a little <laughs> afraid of him, but yeah, I, I like the idea of immersive therapy there. Of maybe the next time you play it, everybody dresses up as clowns. Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, just the just the makeup sounds so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Uh, Sky, I think, will come on here. Nice. Eventually, please do. He's fantastic. Yeah, he gave some extremely helpful feedback throughout this entire playtest session. So I'm very happy to have met him. Very cool. Yeah. He's yeah, great part of the guild. I mean, that's one of the cool things about being a part of a design guild is just the people you get to meet and for sure. Yeah. Feeling, you know, you're not alone. You get feedback from other designers and Oh yeah. I think that's a thing too, right? Like you can go to the, you know, you did this retreat with, all these other designers and uh, and you get feedback on designers and a lot of when we're playtesting, I feel like, or at least for me, I'm playtesting with other designers. Right. 
but play testing with like an actual player, someone who's not a designer has totally different feelings than a yes. designer. Yeah, a hundred percent. Have you been, I mean, is that, I guess, who do you play test with? So I, I play tested Critter Grove a lot with my wife. My wife thinks that it's her favorite design of mine, which is always nice. Um, I played it a few times with my nephew, with my brother, and then I've been doing a lot of playtesting with uh, David Sauls on um, Board Game Design Guild um, with just other people, solo playtesting, because it can play solo, um, all that kind of stuff. But I do need to ramp up the playtesting effort and reach out to a wider audience for sure. So, uh, But yeah, I think it's at a point where I feel comfortable sharing it with other people. Oh, I nice. feel like I'm not wasting their time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Brant Brinkerhoff, he's in the guild. He just did Oros. Mm -hmm. I thought it was so funny because we were talking and he he like literally would be riding tracks or the bus and strike up a conversation with a random person and end up inviting them to come and play test Oros. Uh, wow. <laughs> I'm just like, whoa, that's brazen. That is, yeah, that's bold. Yeah. Um, I just they can't imagine. Play board games at that point. I know, right? That's I mean, wow, that's, and, and Oros of all games. Yeah. Not like that's the easiest one to pick up. So. No, no. Interesting. I know. <laughs> it just, I mean, it kind of makes sense when you talk to him. He is so friendly. Like you could totally see him just like striking up conversation on the bus pre-pandemic. Nice. This is all pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I, I'm not looking forward to that part of the design phase. Yeah, super fun. Yeah. Just open up your heart to strangers. Yeah. Uh, um, <clears throat> well, let's go outside of board games. Sweet. What do you do outside of board games? What do you like doing? I play a lot of video games, I'll be nice. honest. I play, um, like I said, Rocket League. Rocket League has been a big part of my life. Um, just it's super fast in that matches are five minutes long um in game time uh where you just have a car that is rocket powered and you try and hit a ball in a goal <laughs> it is super simple but the mechanisms that uh, make that happen uh, flying through the air uh jumps all that kind of demolitions all kinds of stuff add up to an incredible experience to play and to even just watch um there are some amazing players out there uh, you get to customize your car and just make it as cute as possible. Um, but then the video game that I've been playing a lot of lately is Hades. Oh, Hades yeah. is an incredible game. Um, just fighting your way through hell and all that stuff. Like, yeah, video games have been super helpful um, for me during the pandemic. Just to be able to do stuff, I finished like Breath of the Wild, Super Mario Odyssey, just some really, really outstanding games out there. And it is fantastic to play them, and you don't have to set them up or anything like that. So solo gaming has kind of taken a step back for yeah. video games. I go through phases where I'll be like, oh, I don't feel like... Uh, setting something up and then there's other times where i'm like well i don't feel like sitting on the couch and vegging out like right exactly i've been staring at a screen all screen all day for my job why yeah. should i stare at more so yeah i probably should take more of a balance at that point <laughs> hey but it's whatever makes you happy that's what's right. important yeah there you go 
Does your wife play video games with you? Yes. So uh, the one that we play a lot right now is uh, Worms Revolution. Oh, nice. Uh, I grew up with Worms. Uh, all my brothers played Worms against each other. It's just a big part of our um, video gaming history. And my wife finally got into it. And it's been basically every day. We play a couple matches of Worms Revolution. And it is so much fun. Whoa. Um, but we've also we also play a little bit of uh, Ultimate Chicken Horse, which is super fun. Where uh, you are given basically pieces of a two D platformer that you set up, and your goal is, like in Horse, is to be able to make it to the end and your opponent not. Oh. So you don't you don't want to make it too easy because then nobody gets points, and you don't want to make it too hard because nobody gets points. And so you're just setting up these traps and these platforms that are like just there or this trap has um, arrows that shoot up. So you just need to time that out correctly and all that kind of stuff. So it is super fun, cute uh, style. You're all animals, snakes or hippos or um, triceratops, all that kind of stuff. So woolly mammoths. My wife plays the woolly mammoth most of the time. Oh, nice. Um, So it's yeah, it's super fun. Cool. I've never heard of that one. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a small indie game, and I uh, yeah, it's very fun. Yeah, that sounds like something that could be board gameable. I that is entirely possible. That is <laughs> maybe something I write down. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I, well, even just thinking about that, like kind of a game of chicken or horse. Uh, mm-hmm. That's, I guess that's more right. what it's so, yeah, of yeah, being thing. able to do yeah, that. Yeah, ultimate yeah. chicken horse is what it what it calls. Yeah, that is a cool concept. Huh. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, that's kind of like what push your luck is, is to see how far you can go without busting, and then other people's. It's best for you when other people bust. So that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. But if you add a spatial element to it. Throw in some polyominoes and call yes. it good. <laughs> Gosh, polyomino push your luck. Don't even get me started. <laughs> that sounds interesting. Yeah. So, I've already got stuff to work on. I don't need more. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, what else What else do you do? Um, I, I was really into running. I um, ran a half marathon back in uh, September. And then my brain decided to say, hey, you already did that big thing. It's time for you to stop. And so I have not been running a lot lately, which is a bummer because that's the time where I get to like think and listen to podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So I, and get a little bit healthier. Yeah. Uh, so I, I should definitely get back into that. But that's that's been a focus of mine. Um, baseball. Baseball has been a, a fun thing to follow as well. Blazeball. Um, Blazeball. So Blazeball is a simulated sport um, where it's it's a sport horror simulator where there's these teams that just get populated with random names and stats and players watch these games and bet on outcomes and then at the end of the season vote on blessings or new rules to be added to the game. Hmm. But early on, I think in the first season of the game, 
I think players voted to open the book, which turned umpires into these monsters that players can be incinerated halfway through a game. So like this player that you've paid attention to that you have this kind of fan love for is dead now. They well, got incinerated by a rogue umpire and now they got replaced by six pack dog walker. And so in the discord, there's a bunch of people um, just creating lore and fan art and all that kind of stuff. And that's been super fun to pay attention to. Um, my favorite baseball player is a guy named uh, Evelton McBlace. And he is a, a home plate come to life. And he, <laughs> so he has a, he has a mustache and uh, a couple of eyes. And then later on in the season, there was an event that duplicates a player. And so now he has an evil twin, Evelton McBlace too. And his is just Evelton McBlace's head turned upside down. Oh, and nice. so now he's got these eyebrows and two eyes. And it is just an incredible design. And I love it so much. It's so goofy and just wild things can happen. You can have like negative runs. You can have point one runs every time player steals a base. Um, just wild wild outcomes oh my goodness what is this on like where do you uh, so it's baseball.com it's just an online um simulator so right now yeah. they're doing short circuits which is just like a small test period to try and get back into normal stuff um but yeah like in the previous seasons we had an evil peanut shell um actually shell players and turn them into like evil pod people that played against the winning uh, winning team of that season uh-huh. and just like destroyed them to show that like they are God to <laughs> try and try and take them out. It's, it is just a wild ride. It is, it's, I bet it's super intimidating to get into, but there's super helpful people and just a bunch of fun art. Um, Guth, uh, Gunther O'Brien is a pitcher on the, uh, Charleston Shoe Thieves, and he is a penguin that has a mech suit, and it's just yeah. it's just amazing stuff. That is the so cool. That, yeah, it's it's so good. I'll I'll send you some art that I really really enjoy. Okay, I'll probably hop on there and just look at it at least. <laughs> All I need another thing to consume my time. Right. With. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, well, anything else? Those are those are my big focuses nice. right now. Um, just yeah, I guess mostly screen stuff. I wish I wish I had more outdoorsy stuff, but I mean we we just bought a house in May, and so fi- fixing that up. But I haven't done that much in that, <laughs> and we need to figure out how to get a new roof and all that stuff. So that's not stuff that I want to do, but it's stuff that needs to be done. So I need to be better at that. Yeah. I feel you lately. Well, we, I think, I don't know if I showed you when you came over, the backyard is like yeah, cement. backyard, all yeah. cement. Yeah. So yeah. I've been taking the sledgehammer this week and just like going out and hitting the cement for like <laughs> 15, 20 minutes until I can't anymore. Nice. It's, it's a good workout. Yeah. It's a good workout. It shows me how out of shape I am. Like, 
I was thinking about, oh, yeah, I need to start running again. It's been years since I've run. And I was like, well, you know, sledgehammering the backyard. Yeah. That's, a, that's a workout and it's productive. There you go. That's so, nice. Yeah, I definitely feel you because we got our house in December and there are like so many projects we need to do. And it's, ugh. Mm-hmm. it's expensive and it's time consuming and you just don't want to. <laughs> Agreed. Well, let's play ridiculous theme yay so we come up with a we both come up with an idea for a game that sounds ridiculous to us i haven't thought of one yet so (laughs) you haven't thought of one did you think of one so i have my uh game design notebooks from when i was doing a game design podcast with jason tagmeyer and we would have a word of the day and we would have to design a game around that. And so oh. I'm trying to think of my more ridiculous ones because there are some of these that I'm like, okay, I want to work on that at some point. And looking at this now, I'm just realizing that um, one of these, uh, the word was balmy. And I'm looking at Zen cooperative game. Everyone feels happy afterward, even when losing. And I feel like that's the vibe that I want to go for with a Critter Grove. So I need to step up, step up on that. Oh, the one, (laughs) the one that I had that I, I don't remember what he was even connected to was uh, a game with magnets. There you go. You got, you got magnets in your gameplay, but it's not necessarily a dexterity game where you have uh, resources that are randomly magnetized. So you don't know whether a piece is magnet or not. Um, oh. Same weight, same feel, all that kind of stuff. And the whenever you try to build something, you need to toss these resources into a giant tube that is full of magnets. And so... Uh, the pieces that come out are the ones that you like still have left over or um, are able to use on the next turn. And so, one, I don't know how you clean out the tube with <laughs> magnetic pieces that are stuck in there. That sounds like a nightmare. And two, like, yeah, what games have tubes in them that, yeah. isn't, that isn't necessarily... I mean, it's not supposed to be a dexterity element. You're just supposed to toss them in. You're not supposed to think about angles or any of that kind of stuff. But, yeah, that sounds like a nightmare to pack away. Nightmare to clean up. Yeah. That's no interesting. thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a ridiculous idea. I like. Oh, yeah. I like that it's, idea of using magnets and a tube. Oh. Like, two things that we don't use. Yeah, exactly. There was, there was a, um, a stock game a while back called prospectus i believe where you are influencing the stock market by throwing these discs into a giant plastic uh, crystal ball oh and i thought gosh. that was super neat because you would throw throw pieces in there and some of them would stick and some of them would not and the pieces that fell out would manipulate the market and oh so, yeah that's kind of fascinating and, but, the, but like yeah I'm, I'm trying to think i didn't see the game packed away in a box imagine having to try and pack away a sphere yeah into your game box so yeah that's interesting huh people come up with some real creative things (laughs) uh well i came up with one you said short circuit and Mm -hmm. granted you were talking about like you know a league whatever uh but of course my brain goes to short circuit the movie 
Yeah, Johnny Five. Right. And so I thought, oh, what if you did like a programming game where you have to build a robot with like a deck and uh, reactions or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then after you've built it, it comes to life and becomes sentient. Uh, And based on your programming, like scenarios will come up and you'll flip over the card and it'll say how it reacts to that scenario. (laughs) Uh, And and you just need to try and have the best robot. (laughs) So this is, yeah, so you're you're building an automa, automa? Yeah, Autom- I always so say Automa, but some people say Atama. I don't know how it is. Yeah, because like, yeah, I mean, Atama is like a Greek word, right? Um, Hephaestus had like Atama that were helping him build. Oh, um, I didn't know But that. yeah, like being able to build, gosh, something that becomes smarter in the game. So you have these, you're right, rudimental, rudimentary pieces like left, right, but then it has like choices that come up and depending on how you build the robot different, it acts differently. Yeah. Maybe you even play against it. Like maybe you've built your friend. So you build your own (laughs) Automa and then you have to play against it and try and beat it or try to let it win or like, right. Have it, have it be good enough that it beats you just barely. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There we go. I always, I always come up with one. <laughs> you did it. Great job. Yay. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a lot of, of fun. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff, your social, your anything sure. you got Sure. So I am super active on um, Twitter. Uh, my handle is Rob the Kramer. And uh, surprisingly, the other place that I'm very active is a community on MeWe. MeWe has some weird spots that I don't recommend going to. Um, but <laughs> there's there's a Board Game Plus group that was ported over from Google Plus, if you remember that. Um, but uh, yeah, check out Board Game Plus on uh, MeWe because there's a lot of great conversation happening over there. And some really great moderators, too. So. Um, we don't get any bots or super racist people. Um, so we, we keep it, we got a good community over there. That's important. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) You know, those racists always slide in somehow. Goodness. It is a mess. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Rob, for coming on. Rob is such a great person. I, I love getting to hang out with him at the meetings and, and play his games. I am looking forward to seeing what he does next, what he comes up with next, and and how Critter Grove evolves through the process. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review or or rating, uh, share it with your friends, family, anybody that you think would be interested in this. I know it's a very, it's it's like a very niche, 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 I think is the word, a niche uh, podcast because we're not really focused on board games, which we are all interested in. Board games are great, but it's more about getting to know people that you would want to play board games with. You know, you wouldn't necessarily be playing games with people that you don't know a little bit more than just what games they like or how they play or whatever it is. Uh, you would you would know a little more background about them. You'd be buddy-buddy. You want buddy-buddy at your table, you know? So that's kind of the feel I go for here. I hope that it comes across that way. Uh, but Either way, thank you so much for listening. I I really, really appreciate it. 
I, I do it for the love of getting to know people. It's, it's very selfish because people are willing to come and hang out with me for an hour and chat. And, and it's cool. It's cool getting to know all these different people in the community from different corners of the community. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I am no longer at Nerd Out With Us. I have changed it to be more uniform with like my YouTube, which I don't do anything on uh, or don't do. Uh, maybe I'll be starting to do something. Anyways, it is now at Nerd on Twitter. And if you want to email me, the board game community show at gmail.com. Twitter's the best place to get a hold of me, but email works as well. If you wanted to come on the show or you had something that you wanted me to look at, maybe I can plug it in the show, whatever. I'm I'm open. So uh, this if this was your first time listening, then I would recommend just going back and listening backwards from here. The last episode was a community episode, which is where I ask Twitter a question, two questions. One's board game related, one's just random, and I read the answers. And I had David Rodriguez from uh, All Games New and Old, a YouTube channel, and he was on. And so him and I just recorded. I was sick, <laughs> a little bit rambly, uh, and it was it was really entertaining because I couldn't quite, I didn't even introduce myself as the host. I was the guest. I said like, oh, I'm your guest, Riley Stock, because uh, <laughs> I was so out of it, which was fun and interesting to hear it later because uh, I didn't remember most of the conversation. Anyways, that was really entertaining. The week before that, I got to talk to Katie. Uh, she's a designer of this awesome Victorian era dating sim. There's all sorts. You can even just look through and see if one looks interesting to you. If there's somebody that you might recognize from Twitter or from the board game world and just give their episode a listen. There's a lot of streamers, content creators, some designers. Speaking of some designers, my old mentor, my I, he'll always be my mentor to me, John Wood. He has a game coming out with Button Shy next Friday, Black Friday. It's only $12, which I can't believe. That's like super cheap. I mean, that's Button Shy, though. Uh, and it's Making Manhattan. I've played it a couple of times, and it is an awesome game. It's you're you're like planning or building. I don't know what the I can't remember which it is, um, but it's like you're planning what you're going to be building in Manhattan. Uh, and so you have these two rows, and the cards interact with each other, and. It's just, it's a really, really cool, I'm not doing it justice. I'll have him on and and explain it better uh, because I'm just not great at that type of thing. So definitely, definitely look that up. It's going to come out next Friday, Button Shy Games, 12 bucks. I mean, it's a, uh, that's a steal. That's so great. It fits in your wallet or it's a wallet game. The, I saw the case. It looks real pretty. The cards look pretty. I mean, uh, just... I, I'm 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 like having a, a fan out moment, a geek out moment, just seeing those images and and just knowing like, oh my gosh, somebody I know that made this awesome game is finally releasing their game, and ah, just so excited. Uh, let's see. I think I don't think we have any other games that are out coming out or Twitter or uh, Kickstarter. 
There was Faction Fighters. That successfully funded. So congratulations to Paige and Aaron Treglon. I am excited to see what happens there. I don't know how how long it will be because the shipping world and production world is manufacturing. It's all crazy. Uh, let's see. I think that that is pretty much it, except for I got Arkham Horror, the living card game from Fantasy Flight Games. I designed by Nate French and MJ Newman, and they did such a cool job with this card game. I I hadn't played it, but uh, Ryan, Ryan Rao, who was a guest a few episodes ago, and he he's when he was on, we talked about it, and he said that's his favorite game. And so I had finally gotten it. They did a revised edition with new art, a full set that could play four players, even though I probably won't ever get to play four players physically. Uh, <laughs> but the new art, and it comes with a bag, which I guess the old one didn't. Anyways, I got that, and so him and I arranged it to teach me how to play on stream, and we did that on Wednesday. So you can go to Bridge City Board Gamers uh, and or Bridge City Board Games. Oh man, I should have. I now I'm spacing it <laughs> as I'm trying to tell it. But either way, in the episode description, I'll have a link to that video, and you can go back and watch it. And we're going to be streaming it for the next couple Wednesdays. I don't know how long, but I am absolutely blown away by this game. Just our one play, which was me learning the game. But we we did play through the first scenario. I think this is easily in my top three favorite games. Like, it just... I I was so excited the whole time. There was intense moments. I'm I'm in love with it. I'm in love with Arkham Horror. And I'm so excited to get to have an excuse to play that every Wednesday with, with Ryan. Because he's so awesome anyway. Like, him and I are just... We're buddy buddy. We... Yeah, it's a good time. It was a, it was a great time. I hope it's fun to watch. It was a longer one. It was like three hours, but totally worth it for me. Uh, some of that was learning and questions and trying to figure stuff out. So hopefully this next one should go a lot smoother because I have a lot more familiarity with the game. All right, I think that that is it. Next week's episode will be with Chris from board game hot takes, but it should be the podcast formerly known as board game hot takes by the time it comes out because they are changing their name. Uh, So I will find out what it is. I don't know what it is yet. And that is it. Thank you for listening. And until next week, keep nerding out. Nerding out.